What's up, you creepy fucks, and welcome to the Let's Talk Horror Channel podcast with me, BP, on another special episode. I know what you're thinking. You're like, every single episode that you do, you say it's special. Well, of course it is. You're listening to the Let's Talk Horror Channel, so it's a special episode because it's absolutely ruddy, bloody brilliant. Uh, I mean, that's down to you to decide whether it is or not. Not me. I'm not just putting words into your mouth. But this episode is all about, we're doing a special about Jordan Hill who is a bloody brilliant person. I, I hope you that you will agree. If you don't, then you probably won't listen to this episode. But if you are listening, then you know that he's an absolutely top bloke and makes some incredible things already in, like I said, such a short career already. But obviously, I have a guest on my show. You know I love having guests on my show because I don't just have to sit here in, in absolute anxiety, panic, that I have to do it all on my own. No, I don't have to on this one. Uh, I have with me the Horror Hysteria, who is on Instagram, you know, has a great following on there and brings out some top-notch content. A lot of it is top-notch horror reviews, which I enjoy reading because the good thing is that she actually, uh, you know, agrees with me or we agree with each other on quite a lot of movies, which most of the time uh, doesn't happen. Hello, you all right? How, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Uh, I'm living the dream. And uh, we decided on doing this quite a while ago, didn't we? We did, yes. So obviously we we are both big fans of Le Jordan Pill, which is French for Jordan Pill. And uh, we we were originally going to do a different film. I won't say what that is because down the line we will 100% come back and do, talk about that movie. But we were like, what shall we do? And we were like, well, do you know what? Jordan Pill is already a master of what he's doing we both love his movies so uh why not talk about them right so what i thought we would do at the start is i would go through a little bit about jordan pill himself because you know you probably know the name did you know a little bit more about him do you want to know of course you do i'm going to tell you either way but Jordan Peele, he was born on the t- February the 21st, 1979. He's an American actor, comedian and filmmaker, and he's best known for his film and television work in the comedy and horror. Peele started his career in sketch comedy before transitioning his career as a writer and director of psychological horror. And in 2017, Peele was included on the annual Times. Uh, 100 list of most influential people in the world. Pill's breakout role came in 2003 when he was hired as a cast member on the Fox sketch comedy series Mad TV, where he spent five seasons leaving the show in 2008. In the following years, he and his frequent Mad TV collaborator, Keegan-Michael Key, who a lot of you will also know uh, from obviously his series that he did with Jordan Pill, but other films as well, They created and starred in their own Comedy Central sketch comedy series, Key and Pill. The series was critically acclaimed, winning two Primetime Emmy Awards and a Peabody Award. The two wrote, produced and starred in the comedy film Keanu in 2016, a film where uh, Key and Pill's characters lose their cat and go on a mission to find it. Have you seen that one? I have not. It does sound ludicrous, though. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it's worth seeing. It is not 
directed by Key and Peele, but it is both Key and Peele, you know, within the film. I would say if you if you're out there and you haven't seen it, give it a watch because it is actually fun. It's a comedy. It's very much like their sketch stuff. His 2007 directorial debut, but obviously we will talk about the horror film Get Out, was a critical and box office success for which he received numerous accolades, including the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. Along with nominations for Best Picture and Best Director, critics have frequently named Get Out as one of the best films of the 21st century. And he also directed, wrote and produced the acclaimed films Us and Nope, which once again we will talk about. He founded the film and television production company Monkey Paw Productions in 2012, and he wrote and produced Candyman, which is the remake in 2021, well, the following story, sorry, and Wendell and Wild for 2022, which I believe you can see on Netflix, which is it's, it's good family fun, basically. And he also served as the host and producer of CBS All Access Revival of the anthology series The Twilight Zone, basically. He's done loads of stuff. He's done loads of stuff. He continues to do loads of stuff. And he's been bloody good at it, which is why we're doing a special all about him. When did you first hear of Jordan Peele? Was it his movies or was it anything before that? When did you first become acquainted with him? It was probably Get Out when Get Out first came out. But then obviously I realised that I'd seen like Key and Peele sketches and just not really known who he was. Seeing Get Out sort of brought him to my attention. And then from that point onwards, you were like, I can't wait to see what he does next. Basically, yeah. <laughs> well, I, um, I, it's quite interesting, the journey with uh, Jordan Peele for me, because I was already watching Keen Peele. I'm a massive fan of his sketch comedy series, and it has some of the best sketches and some of the most laugh-out-loud funny sketches What's interesting is that you or, you know, if you see the stuff that he's done before, you see within that show, it is very film like, uh, not just in regards to the way that they film it. It is very it looks very highbrow the way they do it in high budget, even though obviously they probably didn't get a high budget. But you could quite clearly tell that Jordan Peele and was someone that really understood film and really loved film because there's a lot of sketches in it where they did one where. It was all about the pitching meeting with Steven Spielberg about Gremlins 2 and how obviously how ridiculous that is. And you get like loads of random Gremlins, like Fruit Gremlin, and you get Dripper Gremlin or whatever it is. There's loads of really weird Gremlins in Gremlins 2 and they do a sketch about that. Or one of the best ones is about Ray Parker Jr., who's the guy that did the Ghostbusters theme. They basically do his lost sort of tapes of Hollywood. So if you haven't seen them, go and watch them. I'm sure you can watch them all on YouTube. But yeah, so I had already known or seen Jordan Peele. So it was interesting to see or exciting to see what he was going to do when it came to directing and making his first feature because I didn't at any point expect it to be horror, which was super interesting to me. The fact that it was a horror and obviously he's continued this sort of journey himself through this genre uh, it's always a, a real big surprise to me. So it's super exciting. I really enjoy it. So I, I did know of him before. So it was nice knowing that he was uh, taking part in this genre. The first film that obviously we're going to talk about that is directed by Jordan Peele is Get Out. This was his first feature debut. Uh, it was released in 2017. It had a budget of 4.5 million 
and it made 255 million worldwide. So it's a big success critically and as well as commercially, it made a shitload of money off, uh, you know, a pretty small budget. And it is starring Daniel Kaluuya, Alison Williams, Lakeith Stanfield, Lil Ray Howery. We all know that I'm terrible with names, so if I get them wrong, I apologise. Caleb Landry-Jones, Catherine Keener, Bradley Whitford, and obviously there's loads more than that, but I'm not going to go through them all. Uh, The original score for the film was created entirely by Michael Abels, who had never worked on a film before, but who specialises in traditional concert music with influences from blues, jazz and African music. And Jordan Peele found one of Abel's orchestral compositions, Urban Legends, on YouTube and decided that this guy could terrorise some people in his movie. This film sits at 7.7 on IMDb and a whopping 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the Google synopsis that we have, I'm still going to give you that, is Chris, an African-American man, decides to visit his Caucasian girlfriend's parents during a weekend getaway. Although they seem normal at first, he is not prepared to experience the horrors ahead. So normally at this point going forward, you would get my full run through of the movie. But we've got three films to talk about. So obviously we're not going to do that. We're not going through the whole thing. So what we are going to talk about, we're just going to talk about the films just in a general aspect. We're not going to go through it scene by scene. We're just going to have some fun with it. What's the main elements from Get Out for you? I think the thing that I always remember when I think about Get Out is just how gorgeous it is. It's so beautifully shot, like all of his films are, but obviously this was the first one that I'd really seen something so, just so gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, from a cinematic standpoint, uh, it is a really, really nice film. The shots are set out really well. It's a really interesting sort of environment that they're shooting in, and that obviously adds to the cinematic aspect of it. And as well as, obviously, the cinematography standpoint and the way that the film looks, one of the biggest aspects of this movie is the performances and the performances that you get from everyone in this movie. What do you think about the performances in it? I will I will start by saying that I think that all of the actors in it are so great for so many different reasons. Her brother... Oh yeah, you know Caleb exactly Landry Jones. <laughs> yeah. He is just I just hate him. Like yeah. obviously uh, her well herself and her parents aren't they're also terrible people, but he he's just so slimy and Well he, he's he's so straight from the get go, <laughs> he's the guy that yeah. is already set up car. to essentially be the bad guy, isn't he? Um yeah. you know, the the when when they all turn up at the parents' house. It's all, you know, happy families and stuff. But he's the one that he's the first one that you get the sense that there's more to it. Yeah, very unnecessarily aggro. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> when he's yeah, he's just trying to fight everyone. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, he yeah, you're right. He's in regards to performance wise, uh, the first one that you'll think there's something a little bit off. The film progresses that as well. Um, but that's the thing. There's 
in this film, the performances are so good. Uh, there's not there's not anything that misses a beat really when in regards to that. Obviously, Daniel Kaluuya, who obviously we will speak about later on as well in an, in another one of Jordan Peele's films, he is absolutely phenomenal in this movie. He is, yeah. I mean, I'd never, I say I'd never actually seen him in anything else. I discovered a long time after I'd seen Get Out that he, there was a TV show called Psychoville in the UK. I don't think it ever went past the UK, but it was um, the people who did The League of Gentlemen. Oh, yeah. He was in that when he was a lot younger. And I didn't realise that until probably a good year and a half after I saw Get Out. But from what I remember, he was just as great in that as he is in Get Out. Yeah, he's so many layers to his performance in this film. I mean, he is one of those actors that puts so many layers and so many different aspects to his characters, as we, like I said already, that we'll talk about later as well. But in Get Out, there's so much going on behind all of this. Then he has to go through it. And it's it's one of those films where outside of the film, he's already gone through so much in life in general. But then within the film and having to go through what he does, he plays it perfectly. But that he's the type of actor where you just can't help uh, but root for him. But also, you know, fear for him at the same time, especially in this movie. No, I, t- I totally agree. He's just so we have a good habit of doing that. In Britain, just bringing out these really good actors seemingly from nowhere. Put us in movie American movies. It's because we're cheaper, yeah. that's why. But yeah, he he's fantastic in this movie. But even the parents as well, Bradley Whitford and Catherine Keener, they're absolutely fantastic in the performances that they give. It's just a home run for the performances. The uh, person they have in the house that's, uh, you know, like the groundskeeper as well, who's absolutely terrifying when he does that run up. And towards uh, Daniel Clulio, and you're like, what's going to happen here? I've actually put that, I'm looking at my notes, and I've put that in, that that is just, it's haunting. We've got bifold doors in our house, and I cannot go out there at night, because I just picture that in my head. Because, and that's what, and like you were saying earlier as well, like, that's one of the things that leads into the iconography or the cinematography of this film, is because Jordan Peele, knows how to create these scenes in all of these movies that you don't forget. And there's so many of them within, you know, all the movies we talk about. But within Get Out, there's just multiple, multiple scenes, like like the one we've just said with the, with the groundskeeper running full pelt at him. And you're like, is he just going to tackle him? But then he just turns off at the next second. And you're right, it is one of those things where... You know, if you're ever in a real life situation like that, your brain, like it could just only be a hint like it, but yet your brain tells you that, you know, you're going to get fucked up. But luckily, most of the time it doesn't happen. Going off that, the whole thing with the Fruit Loops at the end, where she's got the Fruit Loops separately in the bowl and she's drinking the milk, like not with the cereal, is something that's so, so subtle, but also so powerful at the same time. Yeah, and... Once again, it comes down to that sort of incredible direction or incredible filmmaking where you are adding these extra elements. And obviously a lot of that is the actors as well. But as Jordan Peele, you know, there's so many decisions that he makes, little decisions as well as big decisions within these movies. 
and especially you know films like Get Out being his first one and the first time we're really introduced to the the movie making mind of Jordan Peele. It's so interesting and and she plays it that perfectly as well you know you think one minute she's a you know a loving girlfriend and then she's a fucking psycho she had me convinced the whole time that she was one of the the good ones yeah and 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 that happens like pretty much the whole film as well yeah um and then it's only you know and you think that she knows nothing about all this and stuff but she ends up essentially being you know the biggest impact of that isn't she because she's the one that's drawing all these men in and she's uh you know pretending to fall in love with them and then then the horrible stuff happens to them all because of her yeah i mean i i the thing with the the keys you know when they're trying to get out yeah not intended she's (laughs) got the keys in her handbag the whole time it's just like a punch to the stomach and it is because that scene is so intense and mm. you are sitting there watching it and you start, you know, like you're watching it and you're like, right, she's got to find the keys and she's not part of this. And then that's obviously when, you know, you really start to fully understand that she's 100% part of this. When she then finally turns around and is like, oh, I found them. You're like, fucking arsehole. Like, <laughs> oh, it's just, and your heart sinks with him. And that's, yeah. I, I think that's like, you know, when you really know that you're with a, a masterful filmmaker. Yeah, I mean, he's just so... I don't I don't even know how you would describe it. He's just so clever. Yeah, there's more than just filming something with all of his films, which is, like I keep saying, we get into, but with Get Out, there is an undescribable intelligence behind making this movie because, obviously, as we know, it tackles more than just dealing with a movie. It tackles a lot more that we know within the movie and uh, the differences in life that people have to go through with race and and uh, different outlook of, of life that everybody seems to have in, in a positive way or a bad way. And within that, this film, you get the sense of that um, throughout it. And at some point, it can be a very difficult film to watch because of that. But that is what Jordan Peele he's trying to like you were saying no pun intended get out you know to the world that this is something that still continues to happen in the world and this is uh you know something that could be reality and this is what people have to deal with you know so there's there's so much intelligence behind it not just the fact that it's a film that is a fantastically made film but there's actual thought-provoking direction behind it that's trying to tell a story and a message. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've read this somewhere, if I've made this up, but apparently there was supposed to be an alternate ending where it wasn't Rod in the car, it was like the actual police. Yeah, so there is is an ending, um, but I will, I've got that written down in full. (laughs) So so we we go into that as well because um that's that's an interesting take and once again it sort of lends into what I'm saying that it's Jordan Peele where every film that he has done so far it's not like I said it's not just about the fact that it's a movie and he's making a movie it's about there's a message in his movies for everyone and it's such an intelligent way of sharing that message and his thoughts on the world on 
to a wider audience to say, look, this is the world and this is what it can be. And I really respect and appreciate for him for doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. One thing as well that I can't not talk about is uh, the fact that Rod is literally the best friend in the entire world. <laughs> yeah. you, could, you could not get a better friend than Rod. Like literally, he goes over and beyond trying to get his best mate out of this situation that he knows is absolutely fucked. And he is so funny in this movie that it sometimes, I wouldn't say feels out of place, but it sometimes does a little bit, but not in a bad way, in a good way, because it is like, you've got these hot, like insane tense scenes, but then you've got him delivering lines or putting himself into situations that are just like proper belly laugh. He he gets shit done. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He gets shit done. That's exactly it. And uh, and obviously with the ending that we get with the actual theatrical release, then you're exactly right. He definitely gets shit done. <laughs> and uh, the only other thing really to talk about with this film, it's quite interesting for me because obviously Jordan Peele did go on to make the new series of, of The Twilight Zone and be, you know, the the person that was heading that and... This film actually feels for me like it's a Twilight Zone episode or it feels very Hitchcockian, you know? Yeah, I can. They, I know there was one episode. I only think, I don't know how many series of the Twilight Zone there was. There was one of his ones. There was like a thing with a camera. Every time he did the camera, it like took you back in time vaguely watched it i can't really remember what happened but that gave me really big get out vibes in yeah the tone and the way it was set and all that yeah you can you can tell that he's uh definitely heavily inspired by the twilight zone and and every aspect of that because without going into too much of the twilight zone i mean we literally wouldn't have so much that we have today in regards to cinema and TV if it wasn't for that show pushing the boundaries that that did and coming up with ridiculously creative ways of telling stories, but also intelligent ways of telling the stories. So it's quite easy to see the comparisons between that show, uh, which is obviously iconic, as well as what Jordan Peele does. So if you've listened to the show before, you know that one of the things that I always do give you facts and i know you that you love them so that's one of the things i didn't want to leave out from these films that we're going to talk about all about jordan pill so here's some facts about this one get out so number one and it's like you were saying uh, earlier on as well the get out original ending was much much darker so originally jordan pill wanted to make a statement with the get out ending and cut co- and comment even further on the industrial prison system. The original ending had Chris strangle Rose and then cops come to arrest him. It flashes forward to Chris's friend Rod visiting him in prison and Rod wants to still try to find evidence to clear his name. But Chris has given up and has accepted his fate. Peel decided to change the ending because it wasn't fair to the audience. The entire movie is made with them in mind. So though Peel wanted to give a somber ending to show a more realistic conclusion, he didn't feel it was right. The audience has followed Chris on this journey and to give them the downer of the ending, he didn't feel it was fair to do. So fact number two, 
that we've got most of the cast and crew live together in a spooky hotel during filming. So thank God, you know, not many people was on that because they probably would have got scared shitless by ghosts. Uh, number three, Get Out has been taught in university, so it should do. But in the fall of 2017, author, uh, oh, blimey, I've got to try and pronounce this name, Tanan Arif Ju, that's wrong, I apologise, taught Sunken Place, Racism, Survival and Black Horror Aesthetic at UCL. Peel even dropped by the class to expand on, among other things, the film's metaphorical connection to the modern print prison industrial complex. And it is nice to see that because, once again, the underlining powerful message of the movie is obviously something that can be taught at universities, but also the fact that this film is what it is and is as fantastic in regards to when you're talking about it from a technical standpoint of a film itself, then, yeah, it, that's one of the other reasons why it should be taught at universities is essentially to say, sit in front of the people in front of this film and say, this is how you bloody do it. Number four, Daniel Kaluuya was given the lead role on the spot after nailing his audition. Writer, co-producer and director Jordan Peele said Kaluuya did about five takes of a key scene in which his character needs to cry and each was so perfect that the single tear came down at the exact same time for each take, which is absolutely ruddy mental that he can, you know, essentially manifest a tear. That's the British actors for you. That's British actors for you. That's exactly it. Yeah, we can, you know, we can cry on demand, can't we? Uh, and, and number five, Jordan Peele cited Night of the Living Dead from 1968 as an inspiration for making this his feature film writing and director debut because the film had an African-American protagonist. You know, obviously, that's an absolute classic film. Once again, delivering a message. Uh, and an underlining impactful, powerful message that it does. And it's a bloody great film. And, and it's good to see that that is an inspiration behind his work on this movie. But that is, so that's everything that we, we're going to give you in regards to Get Out. But now we've got to move on to his second feature film, which is Us. So Us was released in 2019 with a budget of 20 million and it made 256 million worldwide. So another film, a critical success, but as well as that, a commercial success, bringing in a shitload of money. He's starring Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Evan Alex, uh, Shahadi Wright Joseph, Elizabeth Moss, I mean, and, you know, there's loads. There's loads of other people in this that keep popping up. This film sits at 6.8 on IMDb and 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Google, synopsis-wise, it has Adelaide Wilson and her family are attacked by mysterious figures dressed in red. Upon closer inspection, the Wilsons realise that the intruders are exact lookalikes of themselves. So, like I've already said, this is the second film that uh, Jordan Peele went and directed and worked on. What what do you take away from this one? What do you think of this movie? This is just, it's just one of my favourite movies of all time. Probably in just my top five of not even just horror films, just films in general. I love it so much. This was the first one that I went to see at the cinema. And I think that really 
added so much to it like sitting in the dark it was just so so terrifying yeah it's definitely it's definitely one of those films that really works as a i'm going to the cinema to watch a movie and sort of get fully immersed in that environment us is definitely one of those movies yeah i just i think it's going to sound super dramatic but i think everything about this film is just perfect that he literally could not have made a better film i mean that's that's a good to have an opinion like that isn't it i mean it's nice and i'm sure jordan peele will probably be well happy to hear that um but this is this is another film of his that and I will speak about this a little bit later, so I'm not going to go back into it. But this is another film that is obviously completely different to get out. Uh, I would definitely say that this is, out of all the films he's done, this is probably the the biggest one that lends itself more so to the horror genre. Get Out is a horror, but it's also got that psychological thriller aspect to it. Nope, which obviously we get into, is a little bit more different. But this one feels a lot more like a horror movie had it have been made i say in the heyday of horror i mean that is kind of still happening now but sort of you know like the early 2000s the 90s i just think it still would have been such a huge thing just because it's so well done well you're right i think it's one of those things that i I mean as long as obviously it was jordan peele doing it but yeah. He he somehow may manages to create a film that's timeless, and even though within the film, obviously you know switches time and everything like that, and uh, a lot of it is set at some points, yeah, you know, previously to what happened to in the events of the movie, and then you get everything that happens going forward. But uh, he does create films that feel timeless very very well, irrelevant of you know the setting of the movies themselves. But this is another one that you can once again talk about the same as what we did about Get Out. The cinematography, the filmmaking in Us, the look of the movie is absolutely stunning. Yeah, it's. I think the cinematography of it is so good. It's so haunting. It's always making you feel it uncomfortable and not sure what is going to happen. Yeah, agree with you. But what I love and I find so fascinating about once again about Hill is his adaptability to create a film that feels and looks completely different to Get Out. Like Get Out looks stunning, um, and he still keeps these sort of Jordan Peele isms. Uh, you know, it's not a word, but it is now. But he sort of keeps that Jordan Peele feel to it, but. This film, you know, like the colours are more saturated and it's a lot more colourful. It just feels like a different type of movie, but yet it still feels like a Jordan Peele movie. Exactly. Like, Get Out almost seems more clinical looking. This is definitely darker and it just gives you more... Like, Get Out is unsettling in how clean it is, how clinical it is. Yeah. Whereas this is haunting because it's so dark and you don't know what if somebody's just gonna just come around the corner and yeah, you're exactly right. You've got the, a lot of this film is is setting like the darkness and it as you say you don't know really what's coming next and it's I would say this is a very unpredictable movie and it is also something else that I as I said I will talk about later. But what I find 
really and like you're saying interesting about this is that it's still even though a lot of it is shot in the dark and you don't know what's going to happen and that like it's such a beautiful movie the colors are ridiculously good and clean and crisp in this movie like i love the color palette in this film is ridiculously good no i agree i think with a lot of films just to go a tiny bit off topic a lot of films that are dark are just dark yeah the light is dark you can't see anything happen but this is dark sort of just in it's colorful but it's dark you can see everything that's happening but it's still it's just very uneasy yeah and that is once again it goes back to his obviously his expertise as a filmmaker because the worst thing is for loads loads of films that happen a lot is that a lot of the time things are what they are, but there's no reason for them. And there's a reason for for us, sorry, to be or have the look as what it is or have be so dark and be kept in the shadows so often because you're, you know, you're talking about being kept in the shadows and that is essentially what the tethered are. So it, it's one of those things where it's an extra layer to the movie or the thought process of the movie because, you know, the, the shadows, the not knowing what's coming or the unpredictability actually lends itself to the telling of the story of the tethered. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the to go a, a little bit off topic of the cinematography, but I think that the allegory of class, like the class system, is although it is set obviously in America, it's still so relevant to so many other countries that everybody can sort of see almost like see a little bit of themselves in it, which I think makes it more more like it's not gonna happen, obviously, because it's it's not real. There's not really tethered people, but you could see have been set in the UK or in Australia or just anywhere in the world and it still would have had the same the same impact yeah yeah absolutely and I love the fact that this doesn't do what a lot of films do which is almost crap itself in its own issues or problems because it's only this family that it happens to and I get frustrated with that in movies because you know, there's only so far it goes. And then most of the time, the ending of the film or the film is basically like, you know, the cops turn up and they're like, I don't believe you, this shit didn't happen. But like, this is on essentially like a global scale. You know, you think it's going to be just this family that are having to uh, survive against themselves. But yet everyone is, everybody's fucked. I think the cast particularly, I'm I'm not sure had it have been different people would it have been so so impactful i think that the the cast are just phenomenal yeah it's i mean this is one thing as well with with jordan peele and i i don't know whether i could be talking shit but i don't know sometimes you get uh actors that you know obviously like with your sketch comedy and stuff that they have that extra element to them that they can understand that process of delivering good performances so they then potentially may look at that and go okay well this is the type of person that i need to deliver a performance in this film and in every film that he does and we haven't even spoken about one yet 
but the performances are always standouts. Yes, his cinematography is absolutely fantastic and the scores, and obviously I'll talk about that in this film as well, are fantastic. But his performances uh, that, you know, he gets all these amazing actors and actresses to deliver in these movies, they never miss a beat and they are absolutely ridiculously good. But they're also, there's always originality to them. And in this film, there's so much originality. Lupita Nyong'o, she's ridiculously good in this film. Like, um, like the fact that she didn't get awards for this film blows my mind. I mean, I'm looking at my notes right now, and it literally says Lupita Nyong'o should have won all the awards for her performance. Yeah, yeah, like, it, just all of them. <laughs> all of them, all the awards, whatever yeah. awards, as long as they're all the good ones, that's that's Give all she. Her. That's what she yeah. deserves. Give it <laughs> because it's not easy when you're doing two characters, but to play two characters that are so opposite and yet one of them is sonic now like she is one of those iconic characters of cinema now as far as i'm concerned like yes the rest of the family they do their part but it's the voice that she's making with this character and obviously there's a reason for that that you learn within the movie you know the way that she's moving it's ridiculous that one person can say i'm going to play these two people so different and yet make it work within the movie. And obviously, I'm sure they faced the, you know, the insane technical difficulties that they must have done on this movie with, you know, having the car side by side, essentially against each other. But what she does with creating this absolutely, truly terrifying character, I, I, it blows my mind. It's insane how good she is in this movie. I think not only is... She just, and I mean, I don't know if it's in your facts bit at the end, stop me if it is, but seeing the behind the scenes things of how they filmed the scenes where she's talking to herself is just so fascinating to see how they did it. Tell me how they did it. I haven't looked at the behind the scenes. I want to know. Basically, it's she's doing, so she's like whoever, Red or Addy, and Jordan Peele himself is doing like the other part of the conversation but he's oh, okay. doing the voice the whole time and I think that just really although you never obviously you never see it but I think that just makes her performance so much better because it is almost like she is facing herself and then once again it is an understanding of the brilliance of the man himself Jordan Pill, to to be able to do that for his movie to help create the extra experience that we get we get with this character and with the with the story but yeah like i said like with this film i find uh, that it's sort of insane the global monstrosity that it takes on and when you start getting those characters um because obviously we get elizabeth moss in this movie who was in the other brilliant movie that came out was the remake of the invisible man i'm not sure if you saw that but that was a fantastic movie and, a, and an original take on that film. But she's in this film. And it's like you were saying earlier, like she's fantastic in this movie, as are the rest yeah. of her family and her uh, gymnastic looking daughters that, you know, are fucking terrifying on themselves as well. And obviously they meet their demise in some nasty ways. But that whole scene in the house where uh, it's all kicking off, that's insane absolutely insane and there's so many scenes like this in the movie you've got that scene you've got the 
scene on the boat. You've got the scene uh, with the kid realizes that the other kid, the doppelganger is copying his movements and he makes him go into the fire and you're like, fucking hell, this is mental. I mean, that the scene, to go back to what you were saying, the scene in the house is hands down just one of my most favourite scenes of a film ever. It is so, so well done. The humour is so well done, but it's so, like, sufficiently creepy as well. I think it the way that they act it, Elizabeth Moss, Moss and um, Tim Heidecker, the way that they're just going off at each other and then just chip hits the fan completely it's just so great yeah you've uh, you really nailed it it's like i was trying to find the word to sort of describe this movie and it is it is definitively creepy this movie gives you the creeps big time i just love it (laughs) it's a great film it's a fantastic movie uh one of the other things obviously i do want to talk about in regards to this film that obviously is another aspect and i would probably say He's definitely better in this than it is in Get Out. Uh, is the sound in this film? I feel that this is a film that highlighted the sound a little bit more than Get Out because you get a lot more of those sort of horror sounds in this film where you know when things happening, when the there's an impact or say like uh, somebody like doing something nasty to someone, like stabbing someone or chucking them. You get more of you know the sound design that you get in horror happens a lot more within this movie and they use sound a lot more than they do i think in get out also you know you get you know i've got five on it and that remake of or with that re sort of telling of that song is absolutely one of the best put together like mashups of a score and a song that i've ever heard in my life it's particularly haunting when you wake up to it playing at five o'clock in the morning that, it, that would scare the shit out of me. It certainly has its effect. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's um, I remember that because they did that. They put that in the trailer. Where when you get that into the, obviously in the actual film itself, and you get that whole scene. I mean, it's quite a long scene where they're actually you know duking it out and they're actually fighting. Things aren't going uh, for one of them. That whole you know scene where it's almost like a bit of ballet. And the way that she's seeing, uh, avoiding the, you know, these these sort of uh, the moves that the other doppelganger of herself is making, and the sound of this song going over top, but with, you know, the orchestral side of it, I, like it's just such an impactful moment within the movie that feels like it should not make sense whatsoever, but yet it's perfect, and it's perfect, Jordan Peele. Yeah, I mean that that whole scene when I first saw it, I'd not obviously I'd not seen anything else I'd just be seeing the trailer and when that scene was playing I just remember being so blown away by just how beautifully shot it is and how how well done it is that sort of every punch or slap or whatever is so perfectly in time with the music with um I think uh, is it don't stop me now in Shaun of the Dead yeah yeah that's it it's yeah just it perfectly works doesn't it yeah, it just tickles a part of your brain that is so, it's just so satisfying. And and also the same, like, exactly, you're exactly right. The thing with Shaun of the Dead is that it feels like it shouldn't make sense and it mm. shouldn't be in it. And, like, why is this song in, I mean, I know Shaun of the Dead is like, a, you know, a, ho- a, like a horror comedy zombie thing, but it still feels like, how is this working? 
you get that within this film, but that, I mean, I listen to that a lot, that score. I mean, obviously you do, every, you know, five o'clock in the morning, yeah. <laughs> but I listen to that a lot because I'm blown away by one, obviously not how in well it fits the movie and fits the scene and what they're trying to portray in the movie. But it is a haunting piece of put together music that really shouldn't work, but it bloody does. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just wish that there was something like that in Get Out and it would always yeah. be like the the trifecta of great haunting scores would be just complete. It kind of annoys me that that was not a thing he did in Get Out. Yeah, so Get Out, I think he's... Um, the, the, the soundtrack for Get Out is fantastic. Oh, yeah. um, and it And it works so well for the movie. And that's obviously not what you're trying to say. Like, you know, we know that it's fantastic. But there's, there's the sound design or the soundtrack in this lends itself more to the telling of the movie than I think it does in Get Out. The story is what's driving Get Out and, yeah. you know, the the impact of what happens on screen and the message you can deliver outside of, you know, in the real world of, of our real lives. The message that it's trying to give out is obviously the, the impact of what Get Out is. Whereas with this, the sounds, you know, the soundtrack, the sound design is is one of the things that's like at the forefront of this movie. Um, I mean, I don't, I mean, obviously I don't know what his thought process was, but maybe that was because this is more far-fetched. Get Out yeah. was very real. Yeah, it could happen. Life. It could happen, yeah. Yeah, easily. It does happen. But us, it's, it's not a thing. <laughs> no, and this is actually something that's interesting, and I'll talk about that as well, but as to why. But first of all, you get a twist ending in this, which is obviously, uh, you know, always something that's nice to see in a movie where you're like, oh, shit. What I love about this twist ending is obviously, I, I well, I don't know. Did you see this coming? Did you think that this was what it was? I did not see it coming a mile away. So I feel really bad when I when I do this and I watch movies because I saw it coming and I hate it. I was just like, they've switched. At the start of the film... I was like, they've switched. That's it. I didn't really necessarily know what was going to happen next. I didn't know the extent of where it was going to go. But when there was two of them at the start of the movie and it started going along the lines, I was just like, they've switched and things are going to get really fucked up. And they do. But it's such a cool ending as well, especially when the boy's sitting there looking at her and he's just like, what what the fuck's going on? If you, I don't know if you've seen it, that there's a theory that people think that the sun is also like the tethered version yeah i have read that yeah i just think that is and that's he's like looking at her because he knows that she is she's not the real version oh it's such a clever film as is get out you know the intelligent wise of of how the stories are told but um there's something so exciting looking at it but once again we do sort of get a happy ending it might not be, you know, one of those endings. Like I've said, it's a bit of a twist ending and they might not necessarily be who they're supposed to be, but the family are together at least at the end, yeah. which is nice. Um, but one, Yeah, exactly, exactly. But one thing that I do want to say, and there will probably be a lot of people that disagree with me, and I hopefully there are people that do agree with me, but I think... I don't know, and I'm still trying to decide whether this is something that either lets the film down for me or whether it's something that 
I applaud the movie for. One of the things that it is, this film is like you were saying that it's um it's you know it's a very different type of film, uh, but it's unapologetically weird. This movie, uh, it's not real. It's not grounded in reality like like you rightly said earlier with Get Out. This is a film that's very far fetched. It could be something that doesn't make a lot of sense to some people. It's unapologetically weird, but. It, there is also somebody makes other films like this that this film reminds me of 100%, and that's M. Night Shyamalan. This film feels so much in regards to the aesthetics or what the film is itself as an M. Night Shyamalan film, and it blows my mind. And when I re-watched it the other day, it sort of cemented that for me because I, one, yeah, you've got the twist ending. Well, guess who bloody loves twist ending? He does. Shyamalan bloody loves them, doesn't he? Then, obviously, cinematography-wise, he makes very visually stunning films. But also, like I said as well, he's unapologetically, you know, weird and and very out there. And so are M. Night Shyamalan's films as well. He creates films where he really doesn't give a shit about what you're thinking about this movie. Like you go into his films and they are exactly what they are. Take signs, for example, not at any point does it feel that he's apologizing within that movie that you're watching a film about aliens. You're watching a film about the story of these people and how they're dealing with the fact that there's aliens, you know, coming to earth and how this is impacting them and their story and what they go through through it. Not at any point, do you go, oh, this is a bit fucking weird um, <laughs> because you're you're sort of engrossed in this story. And that's how I feel when I watch us is that I feel that even though what is happening is weird, even though you've got this character that's doing this insane voice that like you're like, that's fucking creepy. And you're watching a film that obviously has a twist at the end and is dealing with doppelgangers. It makes sense. And not at any point are you sitting there questioning what you're watching and going, oh, that's a bit fucking weird, isn't it? And like you were saying, it's far-fetched, but you don't sit there and go, this makes no sense, and you're not sitting there getting angry about it. You're just there along on this journey, but yet still feels original. And Jordan Peele's, even though it feels like a Shyamalan film, but you might completely disagree with me. <laughs> But, I mean, this is the moment I get cancelled. I've only actually ever seen The Village. Oh, well, yeah, you are. You're going to get cancelled. Sorry. And I saw that when I was seven. Right, what I'm going to say to you, right, (laughs) I I know that this is a Jordan Peele thing, right, but you like us, then you need to go back and you need to watch The Sixth Sense and you need to watch The Signs because those two movies are fantastic movies but if you enjoy this sort of escapism that you get with us and this otherworldly environment where these are far-fetched and don't necessarily make sense but you enjoy enjoy your journey through it you've got to watch those movies Uh, i think and then you've got to let me know what you think so here is some facts that i have on us so number one jordan peele's fear of doppelgangers inspired the movie. 
So during the press tour for the film, Peel often said that as a kid in New York City, he would imagine that he had a double. And as a bonus fact, he is also afraid of rabbits, which make an appearance in this movie and obviously in Get Out as well. I believe they play Rum Rabbit like once or twice in that movie. So there's like a running theme of rabbits to do with Jordan Peele movies. But essentially, I think it's because he scared shitless of them. So number two, Steven Spielberg is partially to thank for the unsettling score. The music for us was composed by Michael Abels, who, whose first time scoring a film was for Peele's Get Out. And according to NPR, Peele was already planning on working with Abels again, but it became mandatory to him when Steven Spielberg suggested it. The legendary director compared Abels and Peele's collaboration to his own relationship with John Williams. So you can't really get much of a better comparison than that. So, uh, you know, you can see why he keeps him around. So number three, Jason, the son of the family, wears a Jaws T-shirt for his trip to the beach. When Jason disappears on the beach to go to the bathroom, there is a point where he begins to slow walk. But over his shoulder, there is a distinct shadow that looks like a shark thing breaching the water. Now, I haven't actually gone back and checked that, but I will do. No. I, yeah, I want to go and see. Check. Yeah. I want to go and see if Bruce the shark is in the water. <laughs> uh, number four, the prologue that takes place in 1986. Uh, one of the VCR tapes next to the TV foreshadows a major plot element of the movie. One of the movies is Chud which is from 1984, and the title movie is an abbreviation that stands for Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers, about a bizarre series of sudden disappearances on the streets of New York where it seems to point towards something unsavoury living in the sewers, foreshadowing the origin of the antagonists of the movie, the Tethered, who also live underground. So basically, Chud, uh, a film that not many people have seen, and if you had, you know sort of what, fucking crazy shit happens in that is sort of uh, a bit of an inspiration of us which also is mental and then number five one of the biggest influences for the red jumpsuits and singular glove worn by the tethered was michael jackson pill's reasoning for this is because he says michael jackson is probably the patron saint of duality said pill the movie stars in the 80s the duality with which I experienced MJ in that time was both as the guy that presented this outward positivity, but also the thriller video, which scared him to death. So and you sort of see that within the movie or understand what Pill's talking about, because obviously one, yes, they do look like they could moonwalk any second in those jumpsuits and that glove. And I was expecting it during the dance scene sort of at the end. But also you sort of understand what he's referencing there with the duality of, of Michael Jackson and his, uh, you know, his character and, you know, who he is and stuff. And uh, it makes sense, you know. So that is all your facts on us. Let's move into Jordan Peele. I keep saying it like that, like he's French. He's not. It's Jordan Peele, not Jordan Peele. Um, <laughs> but I might say it like that anyway, because it makes me sound a little bit posher rather than this common um, as muck English boy. But um, with the last film that we're obviously going to talk about is Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele's newest movie that he's directed, which is Nope. And this film was released 
in 2022 and had a budget of 68 million and actually made 171 million, which surprisingly means, uh, if I've worked it out right, is the least money making movie that Jordan Peele has done thus far, which also blows my mind because obviously it's his biggest, biggest budget movie as well. Basically, his return on this movie is less than the other movies that he's made. But that it just doesn't seem right to me. No, it doesn't it's seem such right. It's a good film, and I can't believe that it didn't make make as much as the other two did. But the other ones, uh, you know, like I said at the start of when we're talking about us, for example, uh, you know, that one was made for twenty million and made two hundred and fifty six million. But it still did well. I'm not going to take anything away from it. It still did bloody well. Uh, and this film, once again, is starring Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, it's also starring Stephen Young, Kiki Palmer, Brandon Perez, or Perez, I pronounce his name wrong, Michael Wincott, and Keith David. And then obviously there's loads of other people that pop up in this movie as well. The film sits at 6.8 on IMDb and 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, which also makes this film the least favoured critically of Jordan Peele's films, which is also surprising. Some people may think. Uh, And Google synopsis wise, you have a man and his sister discover something sinister in disguise above their California horse ranch. While the owner of a nearby theme park tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly phenomenon. But go for it. Let's talk about Nope. What do you think about Nope? Again, much like us, I just think it's such a good movie. Just in general, just everything about it is just such a good movie. I watched it again last week sometime after I'd already watched it sort of three or four times again after seeing it in the cinema. And it it just blows me away every time at how, just how good it is. Yeah, I mean, it's another, I mean, this is why we're doing, this is why we wanted to talk about Jordan Peele, isn't it? Because we're not talking about, you know, films that are all right. And we're not talking about somebody that's made 50 films and some of them are all right. Some of them might not be great. Every single film that he has made has been a critical success. They are all ridiculously good movies. These are none of these are they're all right. You should watch it, but don't worry about it if you don't need to. These are films where it's like everyone needs to see these movies. Yeah, I mean, this one gives me such it gives me 80s vibes of like the summer blockbusters, not yeah, sort of how it is set or anything it's just the feel of it it's just so big yeah Yeah, I mean I've got that written down as well but obviously (laughs) one of the influences for uh, Jordan Peele which is not friend um, is uh, obviously Steven Spielberg as he is an influence to so many and this film does look or feel very similar like you're very rightly saying the scale or the grandness of it and these wide angle shots that make it obviously not only look fantastic, but the scale of it looks huge because of the way that he chose to shoot this film. And once again, looks completely different to anything that he's done before. Yeah. I mean, I would say if you're going purely off of a, of like an aesthetic standpoint, this is probably way more similar to Get Out because yeah. it's so bright. 
there's not going to be anything hiding and jumping out at you. No. Everything is so in focus all the time. Yeah, this is um this is like like exactly like you were saying. This is more like his sort of summer blockbuster movie. This is this is the film that other than all the other two, this is the film that's more accessible for more people that you know might not enjoy just watching horror or stuff. You know, if you're a fan of cinema, this is the one that you would probably recommend more so than the others to other people. Yeah. This is just, it's a movie, you know. It's so, as you said, it's much more accessible to people who don't necessarily like thrillers or just straight up horror. But it is still, there is still horror aspects in it, but it's a little tamer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's well, once again, it reminds you of, you know, something like Jaws, for example. You know, Jaws is one of those, one of the first, if not the first, you know, summer blockbuster and this is why this film feels a bit like it, because it has those elements where, just like Jaws, you know, the film carries on, it is what it is, and then every now and again you get those moments where it's an impact, and it is horror, and it is scary, and it is in your face, and you don't know what to expect. And then that's the same with with Nope, is that you are following this journey, and, you know, with the brother and the sister, and then they pick up who they do on the way, and they realise that, they, you know, they've got to do this, and... And then it's once again, it's the whole unpredictability side of it. But then every now and again, you get that impact moment, whether it is you get that first scene where you think that these aliens might actually be these aliens when it ends up being its kids pissing around, um, which is a great scene. Uh, whether obviously it's the start of the film where the dad obviously dies and straight away you're into a movie where you're like, fucking hell, what's going to happen next? Uh, obviously one of the biggest and one of the best scenes in the movie is where you've got the blood rain coming from, from the ship, which also also is actually a very scary aspect of it because as we learned that the ship, you know, isn't, isn't a ship. It is a living creature and it's destroying these bodies purposefully over this house and raining blood down uh, on them, and that's a scary thought. That the fact that this this thing that we think uh, you know it's just a normal spaceship is actually a living creature and has a mind of its own and is almost taunting them, you know, and being trying to be assert its dominance by pissing rain all over them. There's uh, so many of these scenes in it that are so impactful. I mean, it's funny. So you've obviously interpreted it as that the alien creature whatever it is is a bad thing is that correct? uh i mean not necessarily a bad thing it's just it's the fact that i mean it's it, it basically is what it is uh you know it's obviously come to this earth and is essentially feeding so it is a bad thing but at the same time it is only doing what it's doing and is it doing what it's doing because it is actually scared mm. Or is it doing what it's doing because it's trying to uh, show its dominance? It's trying to show that it's actually a superior species. Um, but for me, as I, said, I think, like it's just the element that the fact that it is a living yeah. thing that has a has a brain that it's trying yeah. to that it's doing these things to people and it knows exactly what it's doing. That's the, the scary aspect of it. Yeah, I've put in as I said, I'm looking at my notes and I've put that. I think 
that we assume that it is it's bad because it's just something that's unfamiliar to us yeah like it's no no different to a lion getting its prey yeah it's just because it's something that isn't normal to us not us you know what i mean but it's yeah yeah it's just something that isn't familiar and i think that comes in to a lot of the fact that it's all about the spectacle that it's just something we're not familiar with so we just assume that it's bad yeah exactly or we are like they do in the movie they feel that I don't know. It's almost like a cautionary tale, isn't it, as well? Because if yeah. you look at the what they're trying to do in the movie to, obviously, that they name, name Jean Jacket. Is that right? They name it Jean Jacket, don't they? Yeah, after one uh, of the horses. Yeah, that's it. And what they're essentially trying to do, and like they're obviously essentially trying to do to the horses as well, is that, and as what we see happens in the film, is that when you are tamed horses, there's still animalistic instincts within them that like mm-hmm. you see the scene where uh, they're on the actual film set and then obviously you know the horse ends up kicking something or whatever it is and that's essentially for me it's like the foretelling or the foreshadowing of jean jacket that even though we don't uh, know it we don't understand it we're trying to tame it for our own well-being for our own selves for our own selfish reasons uh, and we don't understand it but yet we're still trying to create, like you said, our own spectacle from it because we will gain something from it. Well, we won't. We won't in the movie. Yeah. But they, <laughs> the people that are in the movie, the characters in yeah. the movie, they're all trying to, uh, you know. They're just trying to capitalise off it and yeah. get something out of it. And then once again, there we get an underlining message. Jordan Peele once again is like integrating into his movies that once again we're not just watching a movie about aliens we're actually watching a film with a real message behind it I mean I've put on on my notes about that it's the whole allegory of spectacle and that as a society and not everybody but that we're, we're so obsessed with our phones and just recording everything that we see sort of I mean I don't really know how to how to explain it I never take pictures of anything I'm the worst person for that (laughs) but it's just that anything happens people just get their phones out and yeah yeah exactly and and they do that obviously within the movie where they're like we could you know they call it a bad miracle within the movie and stuff you know and then it's essentially hitting the fact that like we were saying you know this could be a bad thing but they're going to try and exploit it because they're trying to obviously save, you know, their business and save their ranch. And Stephen Young, who obviously plays Dupe, you know, had to go through this incredible trauma that he did in his early life when he was on the sitcom and Gordy, the the ape, his co-star, um, you know, obviously the balloons go off. He goes absolutely mental, kills everyone in an absolutely fucking insane scene. And mm. once again, it's another impactful message and a part of that whole, like you're saying, the spectacle side of it. And once again, it's dealing with the animalistic side of animals and what you can and can't do with them and what we are trying to get out of them to achieve this spectacle, which unfortunately can go wrong at any point. They're trying to 
capitalize like you're saying off something that they don't necessarily know about and they don't know whether it's going to be bad but they're still going to try and do it yeah i mean bringing up what you were saying about dupe that i think his whole deal with the star lasso and all that is that he he's probably never dealt with the trauma the gordy's home thing he's always trying to not relive it but he's trying to get that same level of spectacle yeah he's constantly trying to reinvent himself he's constantly trying to create that you know a new world for him like he's doing with obviously what you know he's trying to do also at the same time part of me is like he's trying to constantly do that because obviously one he knows that he has to and he can sort of you know, live off that name a little bit. You know, he's still a mm. little bit famous enough. People recognise him enough yeah. for him to live off that. But at the same time, it's almost I feel like within the film that he's he's trying to not remember everything that happened in the past, but he's so integrated into his mind that it's almost as if he's he's trying to block it out. But it's still obviously a huge part of his life and his history, which you sort of see that within his film where he talks about it and he talks about what happened and so on because people want to hear about it mm. and that's why yeah. he's telling it but he might not necessarily want to be a want to tell that story because it's such a traumatic time for him but once again it creates like we keep mentioning that spectacle and it makes people interested in him which means that he gets the opportunity to do these other things uh, yeah. And once again, it's almost that, you know, you feel for him within the movie, uh, especially the fact that, you know, he gets eaten up uh, <laughs> by a big alien. Uh, but you feel for him in the movie because you, you know, you sort of like feel very bad for the trauma that he went through. But once again, the reason he went through that trauma is because they tried, not him, but obviously the people that were making the show were trying to do something that they shouldn't really be doing. Yeah. And I think I think when he's when he's talking to them about the Gordy's home stuff, I think he he's almost telling it like from an outsider's perspective, like it's not actually happened to him. Yes, he's just telling yeah. a story of something that's happened in the past. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, he, he does. It feels like he's telling a story, but also at the same time, you're sort of like, well, what's real? You know, what's true? what actually happened because can you really trust or believe anything that he's saying? And I'm not saying that is in, he's a deceitful or not a very nice person, but what does he remember? What is he blocked out? Yeah. What, what's real? Uh, you know, this is what happens when people are dealing with trauma from something because, you know, as, as in insane as to what he had to go through. But then obviously, you know, we're talking about Stephen Young and his performance. And obviously once again, just like Jordan Peele does, the layers to these characters are absolutely insane. But once again, we have another film with ridiculously good performances. And Daniel Kaluuya is ridiculously good in this. Like, I love him in Get Out, but he's so, so good in Nope that it blows my mind every time that I watch it that somebody can say so little but yet have such an impact on every scene that he's in. Yeah, I mean, I've said, I think I've said this probably several times before in my reviews and whatnot, that, and I'd love to know 
not that Jordan Peele's ever going to tell me, but I would love to know if he wrote Daniel's character as somebody who is autistic. He has a lot of those those traits, and I think that gives it a whole another level of humanity. Yeah, like, yeah, he, it... he might not be. That might just be how I've interpreted No, I think, it. and and it's it, well, that's the thing, and that's what's really interesting about obviously once again his movies is that it's all about you know interpretation and stuff and how you can take it or whether uh you know you're looking at a person that is so opposite to his dad because his sister is quite clearly the person that is most similar to his dad you know what i mean yeah. so he's yeah. like the middle person where he's not necessarily he's not the one making the decisions but now he is essentially he's not necessarily not necessarily well suited to it but then at the same time what you're saying makes sense to the way that he is within the movie but it's so he's so good in it like he just says one word and you understand what he's saying or one look and you understand the emotion that he's trying to get and once you give like this comparison to his performance in this movie to who he is in get out because in get out you know, he plays somebody that's, you know, obviously very charming, uh, you know, who's more rounded as obviously, you know, a functional personal within uh, society. If you in regards to having, you know, being a conversationalist, you know, he can have you can pick up a conversation with uh, his character and get out. But you can't necessarily feel like you could get a conversation out of uh, OJ in Nope. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're so parallel and so different characters you feel that they are real people and that's how good Daniel Kalulia is. It's so, it's ridiculous. Like there's a reason he gets casted in him in these movies. Uh, and I hope he continues to do because he's such a phenomenal actor to watch. But obviously what I love as well, Kiki Palmer as well, is so good uh, as his sister in the movie. And what I absolutely love, and one of the things that I, I wrote down, and I remember the first time I watched it as well, is that I absolutely love their relationship as brother and sister in this movie because you can tell that, yes, there's you know a bit of trouble between them or a little bit of friction, and, and they don't necessarily see eye to eye. And you get that a lot within the movie. But whenever somebody says something in the movie, there's no question in it. So as soon as, you know... Uh, OJ saying essentially I think there's an alien out there she doesn't turn around and be like fucking bullshit she's just like right there's a fucking alien I believe you 100% there's no sibling rivalry in regards to the truths they're trying to speak it's like okay there's an alien so we need to go and get this CCTV shit we're going to figure this out together and we're going to you know we're going to save the ranch and we're going to do this there's no doubt in anything that one of them says they're along on a journey together you know there's no saying no to it it's i love that relationship they have because normally in movies the relationship between a brother and sister is quite strained and they're like oh we got problems and we don't talk or they don't like each other in this film it's very clever because it's the absolute opposite i think that the the sibling dynamic is just so good because like it's almost like they make you believe that Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer are actually siblings in real life. It's so convincing that I sometimes found myself forgetting that they they're not actually related in real life. Yeah, it's, it's like fantastic so casting. Yeah, it's natural. It's fantastic casting. 
amazing directing, amazing performances. Um, yeah. And I mean, the first time I saw it, when I saw it in the cinema, I wasn't I wasn't too overly enthralled with Kiki's character. And I think that's maybe because she is so compared to OJ. She's the opposite, she's so, isn't she? Yeah. But then re-watching it, I have grown to love her a lot more because she's just so such a good sister. Like you don't yeah. know what's yeah. happened in the past with them. I assume it's probably because of what happened to their dad. And they've just like drifted apart because of that and the history that they have. But she never she never makes you feel like she doesn't love him. No, exactly. And I think um, one of the things they sort of play on within the movie as well is how potentially OJ might have been the favourite a little bit because obviously he did a lot more of the training with the horses and stuff like that. But then obviously, you know, Kiki Palmer, obviously, you know, her character did do that. But like, as I said, I feel like that because, and obviously, you know, when you have kids and people out there with kids as well. And if you know that, that like, I've got a daughter who me and her are so identical that sometimes it can be really frustrating because we, you know, we, we might argue with each other about the things, the same things and might disagree. And I feel like that that might've been where there might've been problems between the father and, and obviously Kiki Palmer's relationship in it. And OJ He's not like that at all. So he would have probably, because he was so... He's almost just so, like, passive. He doesn't... Yeah. Yeah, and because he worshipped his dad and everything that he stood for and what he was trying to do and what he was trying to achieve, that he probably just went along with everything that his dad was saying and trying to teach him because that's, you know, that's who he was. That His dad was his hero. And I, I think he does mention stuff like that in the movie as well, um, that his dad, you know, obviously was his hero. He meant everything to him. And I feel like, you know, there may have been more friction between, uh, you know, the father and daughter relationship because of their similarities. So performance wise, obviously, you know, we've spoken about it, it's absolutely phenomenal. But there's loads of other things within this movie as well. And I actually wrote down a lot more notes for this film uh, than I did for any of the others, because I just feel that there's, I don't know, it's weird because this film definitely is more of, like you were saying, like it's more the summer blockbuster and so on. And it is more of a, not a standard film. I feel that's wrong to say because obviously it's Jordan Peele. It's not a standard movie because you know that you're going to get something original. But it's a very more, I feel like this is more of a movie that goes along in its own pace. It's quite straightforward in regards to the other movies that Jordan Peele has done. But for some reason, I, I was found myself asking more questions about this movie than any of the others, uh, which I found really interesting or look, thinking more into this movie rather than any of the others. For example, I find it really interesting because... I don't know what it is, but there's something about OJ's character as well, is that we 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 talk about and we've spoken as well, but we talk about a lot of about the whole spectacle side of it. Uh and what now we feel that OJ 
uh, is trying to achieve from this, you know, about saving the family business, you know, so he can continue this on and his sister can continue this for his dad and so on. But also, I feel like there's a sense of payback and revenge against you know this this otherworldly being because obviously you know we know that essentially he killed the dad at the start of the movie and i feel like that that is also an element to oj's character within this movie that it's not just about creating that spectacle it's also about getting revenge yeah i mean i guess that kind of comes again from the spectacle thing that it's nobody nobody saw what happened to his dad other than him and like obviously the doctors and whatnot yeah so maybe by him getting the footage of what killed his dad it's almost as you said like avenging his dad yeah and there's other like little bits in it as well like i and once again it's down to directing it's down to performances and it's about it's down to the little bits that you don't necessarily think about until after the movie or when you thought about it. But there's the scene that obviously, you know, we get the star lasso massacre where, uh, you know, obviously dupe has been trying to tame this, this predator, this, this alien, you know, being that obviously we know can't be tamed or, you know, because it is its own thing when obviously it comes early straight away you can see on Duke's face this like moment of regret that he knows that everything he's done has meant nothing but also he's fucked things up so much yeah and I think that I'd put it on my story the other day I'd never actually noticed it before but when he's when they are doing the Star Lasso experience that he says that in whatever the the build-up to it is that it was a, I can't remember the specific number. I think it's like, like six thirteen or something. Like PM was when he first saw this this creature, and that is exactly how long the Gordy's Home Massacre was, six minutes and thirteen seconds. So I'd only noticed that when I rewatched it the other day for like the fifth time, and yeah. I just thought that was so interesting that that is a number that is is permanently in his head and he is using it to make this complete other spectacle. Yeah. And also as well, it's sort of one of those extra things within the movie that makes you once again, like try and question, you know, whether there's something more to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, You know, otherworldly, you know, we are watching a film once again, it's unapologetically, you know, saying, you're watching a film about an alien. This is what it is. But also it's, you know, obviously one of the main aspects that people talk about in the film is obviously the fact that that shoe is standing up on its end. And so yeah. many people have their own interpretation of what that is. I mean, do you have your, do you have an interpretation of what you think that that is? Or I honestly, that is the one, the one thing about this film that I haven't been able to, come up with a even half logical reason for yeah it's it's a strange it's a strange one isn't it do you you know what so the only thing that and i like i I mean i look like a lot of us we you know afterwards we went online and we started reading all the different sort of things and stuff and obviously a lot of people were saying it harkens back to the whole bad miracle thing where something happened that is 
you know, so irregular, like, for example, you know, the massacre that happened at the hands of Gordy. But it's once again, you know, that thing of spectacle and stuff. And in the midst of all this massacre, there was something beautiful, if that makes sense, that, you know, shouldn't be there, but it is. And it's something that, you know, you won't ever see again in your life. And it happened yeah. at the time during or something that's so, you know, sinister and so nasty. I think I do, as I said, I don't know why the whole thing with the shoe is the way that it is. But I do wonder, like re-watching it again, I do wonder if maybe when he has it in, you know, like in that display case that he has it in in his like back room, if he's put it in that position, you know, like it's not actually standing the way that it was standing when it happened. He's just recreated that again. What for like the like in his yeah, what like in his yeah, mind like he's or something. Propped it up in the yeah. the cage. Like it's just it's just like a normal show. It doesn't stand up like that. Yeah. It was just a thing that happened that he witnessed and he's never been able to get it to do that again. So he's just put it in this glass case in that position, like maybe with yeah. something supporting it. And it's and it's it's so interesting as well because it's sort of like it sort of goes to what you're saying as well because for one thing we could be thinking about something that actually never existed because it could have been a shoe, but because obviously after all these years, he's been trying to, you know, do everything he can to not think about this situation that he was in, then this shoe could have never have actually existed because it could do yeah. this part of his fragmented brain that he's like, you know, this is now, you know, that could have just been a shoe that obviously he's now got in his, you know, his, his place that he's got, you know, he's like, well, not trophy room, but you know what I mean, you know, in his cabinets. But it could be the case that that shoe wasn't as important as what, as it is in the movie. It could have just been never been there, but his brain, he's still trying to process everything that happened, that he's forgetting bits. And over time, or he's trying to, you know, when you have these traumatic experiences that you can't necessarily remember everything and everything sort of gets a bit muddled, you never know. There's so many different interpretations you can take from that. Like, for example, it could have been a case that that shoe was there and uh, it was the fact that he was trying to just focus on the shoe rather than having to worry about what Gordy was doing in this massacre because, obviously, if he was focusing on that, he wasn't then focusing on trying to intimidate or, th you know, make Gordy feel threatened. And then, obviously, we know that that's, you know, what happens. So it's interesting. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder if a lot of it comes from the fact that when, when that happened, he was a child. Yeah. So he probably doesn't remember like everything that happened because, like, his brain and that just wasn't. Yeah. Fully yeah, he was developed. he was a kid. It's just something he could have made up as something to help him cope with yeah. what happened, what he witnessed. Yeah, all of it's all of it as an adult now, it's all, you know, and then growing up, it's all coping mechanisms and so on, mm. dealing with the trauma that he went through and, uh, you know, suppressed memories and so on. So, but once again, you know, we're sitting here having a conversation about a very small sort of aspect of a film that has so much more in it. It's insane that Jordan Peele manages to make you question and make you think so much more about a one second bit or a 10 minute scene in a movie 
it's insane. Um, but yeah, like, you know, there's loads of other characters in this movie that do a fantastic job. You know, the cinematography, like, you know, we've always said, and every other film that he's done is fantastic. I love the feeling that you get from Jean Jacket feels so organic and almost feels a bit like a dance where it's flowing through the sky and you get this incredible imagery. It doesn't feel, or the camera, it feels like it's a very unique or a very wet, fresh way of showing the UFO, obviously, that we think within a movie. Yeah, and I, th- I think for me, and again, I'm going like extremely off topic of what you've just said, but the... Um... Brandon Perea's character is so he is very very similar to Rod that's it yeah that he he is in most other films he would purely just be there to make you laugh the way that Jordan's written the character he he is so much more than just somebody that comes to make you feel a bit better when something's a bit like a bit sad yeah, he he's way more. Yeah, you exactly like like Rod. Yeah, he could have been there to make you laugh, but he's such an incredible integral part of the story. I mean, one of the most integral parts of the story because he's the one that essentially, uh, you know, he's this he's Daniel Kaluuya's savior in Get Out, and in this film, the Brandon Pereira character that that he portray- plays in this movie, like you're saying, he could have been a throwaway character. He could have just been there for the laughs. But obviously he's so much more there because he's he's there trying to sell the impact of everything that's going on. Uh, you know, he's trying to aid them on this journey of what they're trying to create or capture. But he he's more than that. There's more dimensions to him. You know, he's he's scared at points, he's excited at points. He's not just there to make everybody laugh. But he does a he does a very, very good job in this yeah. film, just as as does everybody else in basically every Jordan Peele yeah. movie. They they all do a phenomenal job in this film. You know, we've we done we just discussed Nope, which obviously is said is the, the newest film from Jordan Peele. And there's so much like we've gone through to talk about this movie. And I could keep talking about it because I just I don't know, I've always I've got so many questions about this movie. But so let's move on to the facts of Nope that I have. So number one. Peel considered another title. The film's title, Nope, certainly strikes you. Um, he chose it based on the expected reactions to the movie. Funnily enough, that being said, Peel did consider another title as Little Green Men. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to get into something about that a little bit later as well. But that was also in the mix before it landed on Nope. Uh, number two. Uh, Brandon Pereira really didn't want his character to die. I mean, I suppose if you were in a Hollywood blockbuster with Jordan Peele, you're probably not going to want your character to die. But yeah, he didn't. Uh, But for whatever reason, perhaps out of hopes for a sequel, Pereira really did not want Angel to die, even though that was how the script was written. Pereira kept working on Peele and persisted throughout several rewrites. Eventually, uh, Pereira's pleas won out, and Angel was bed in the film's climax. So he was supposed to die, but in the end, he didn't. He's, you know, he, he wants to make that sequel money, didn't he? Number three, Stephen Young's character, Jupe, has a large pair of metal scissors on his desk, which are the same scissors prominently featured in Jordan Peele's previous film, Us. So if you didn't notice that, Next time, 
look on his desk and then you'll be like, oh, there they are. Number four, Kiki Palmer's introductory scene in which Emerald delivers her energetic and fast-talking monologue about her family history during a safety meeting on the set of the film shoot. Took 14 takes to shoot. Jordan Peele described each one as very wildly different. And number five, Nope is the first horror movie to be filmed in IMAX. So there's your facts about that. So that is basically us talking entirely about three different movies, three very, very different movies, but three incredible movies. Uh, What I thought would be quite fun for you all, although, you know, it may or may not be, but we're going to do it anyway, is talk about our rankings of the movie. And I thought we could say what our rankings were before we went and did this because we we both re-watched these movies before we came into it and I know that before I did my rewatch, I had a ranking of these films and I was really interested to see if it changed and I want to know if yours changed as well so before you did your rewatch, what was your what was your ranking of these movies so before it was us as my favorite right which you can probably tell when i talk about it yeah yeah um then nope as my second and get out as my third which is super interesting and i love the fact that that that's what it is but did it change after your rewatch it stayed the same but i would say that i appreciate get out a lot more now than I did before it really it it climbed up a lot of of places but it still is it's not my least favorite it is just the one that I wouldn't necessarily choose to watch over the other two yeah I think it's I mean what's what's insane is that I think we've just been blessed and we we've been blessed with the fact that we have three movies that are way above standard like none of these films like if there was just one film you're like that's a phenomenal movie but we don't have just one film we have three movies that are all phenomenal so it is difficult to rank it when you do films like this because you're like you sort of sometimes feel like oh well it's difficult because like with yourself you say you know you've got get out as your essentially least favorite jordan peele movie but you don't think of it like that because you're you still appreciate and understand that actually it's a ridiculously high level, fantastically made movie. It's just you actually prefer the other ones more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would always go for us as the one I would choose to watch, just because I prefer more straight up horror films. There's no yeah. it is just that I would always choose to watch more of a scary film than I don't know something that I maybe had to think about a little bit more yeah and that's what's once again what's really interesting is because we've got three different types of movies to watch us like you're rightly saying is definitely more of a straightforward horror one that like you know most horror fans will go to and say okay I you know I want to watch horror film let's put us on they wouldn't necessarily go I want to watch a horror film let's put on nope or get out Whereas they are all so different, like Get Out, as I said, is more like a horror psychological thriller, 
Nope, like you said, is more of a summer blockbuster that references, you know, Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Time and has that sort of Skype. And then Us is now uh, more so like you're saying, like a horror, also definitely in like an M. Night Shyamalan film, which you definitely need to see all the rest. <laughs> but for me, it was interesting because I wanted to see if it changed. And the reason being is that my ranking went Get Out, then it was Us, and then it was Nope. And that was my ranking going into it. And then it got really interesting because I actually watched Us first when I did my rewatch. And I enjoyed that. Now, I like, like I've said before, that all of these films are phenomenal. I'm not saying that any of these films let any of the other ones down or let Jordan Peele down whatsoever. I think they're all amazing. But I really like us but i was just like i don't know how much i do compared to the others but when i re-watched it i was like this film is fantastic i took way more it's one of those films that you watch and you the more you watch it the more you know highly regarded you see it because you like you take more from it and you see those little hidden things that you may not have seen before like you were saying like earlier on about the whole t-shirt thing or the little hidden things in there you know there's so much more of that when you understand the story you can then go back to it and then look for those bits that you didn't see before and us is a very good film for doing that and then nope is once again a completely different film but it was as we know and as we've already spoken about and if you've seen the film you know that obviously nope is is completely different to us and it's completely different to get out which is what makes it really interesting because even though Note was a film that I genuinely started to think about more and I was asking more questions of this and that, I think it is still, my ranking is still the same. And I think the only reason that I've gone that way is because I think Nope was out of all of them had elements of what I would actually change. Now you could completely disagree with me, but I really thought, and I was really hoping that this was going to be Jordan Peele's take on little green or gray men. When we didn't get that and we got this essentially living, breathing, killing machine that wasn't, you know, a spaceship with, you know, aliens in it i was actually quite gutted and i would have absolutely bloody loved to have seen jordan peele's movie where you know that essentially that scene in the barn that was actually a really spooky and creepy scene and he did really well which obviously ended up being the kids taking the piss i actually really enjoyed that scene and i feel like even though i absolutely can commend once again, Jordan Peele for his originality and saying, no, this is like, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to go a different way and a different take on what people commonly see or know as what UFOs are and give it, you know, the fact that this, you know, this ship isn't a ship, it's a living, breathing, as I said, thing. And it has its own way of life and what it does and stuff. And it has its own ways of trying to be territorial and it has its own brain and is trying to play games, but can still be scared and little things like that. I, even though, as I said, I found myself thinking more about things like that. I would have loved to have seen 
Jordan Peele's version of an, a proper alien uh, invasion, or not necessarily an invasion, but an, a proper alien UFO attack on everything, you know, on these, you know, small group of characters. That's, I think, like the thing that really I wanted from this movie and didn't get. And then that's one of the reasons why I was just like, well, the other films I went into and I got almost everything and more than what I expected with this one. I was just like, oh, I wish I had the, you know, the little, you know, little alien men running around. But then also, I wasn't a massive fan of the design of the alien itself at the end. And once again, that leads into the whole, I wish it was actually aliens. What do you think? You could probably completely agree with me. You might absolutely bloody love it. I think that the the alien that we got was so, like, so beautifully designed. Like, the CGI and that was just incredibly well done um yeah but no i do i do kind of agree i would love to have seen the little just the little alien guys alien yeah that's it i don't know what it was i just you know but then once again you know it's like one of those things where it you know with jordan pill you're going to get something unique you're going to get the originality and that's obviously something i speak about as well is you know that you're going to get that with jordan pill so you sort of have to think outside of the box sometimes with his movies like he does so it's one of those things that i'm not annoyed at and i still very much enjoy the film but it's one of those like i feel like part of me feels like it was a missed opportunity that we didn't get a proper you know proper aliens that are you know that are doing all this sort of stuff and the fact that it wasn't you know a spaceship as we know and it wasn't a ufo as to what we know i was a little bit gutted by that but one of the other things I did forget to sort of mention that I really enjoyed about Nope is, uh, well, actually, this is something I want to know about Nope from you. Do you believe that OJ is dead at the end? Or do you think, you know, is he just an image? Is he, what uh, you know, Kiki Palmer seeing? Or do you think that he did survive? Well, I mean, I've never actually even heard that before. So you just saying that now has just completely blown my mind. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I mean, I, 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 I need believe... need to watch it again now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I believe that he did survive, uh, but there's a lot out there saying that he didn't, and it was uh, something that, obviously, he did he did die, uh, because, obviously, last thing yeah. sort of you see Kiki Palmer do is sort of close her eyes and open them, and then he appears. And it's one of those things, like, you know, she's lost her dad, she's lost him, and she doesn't want it to be real, so she sort of imagines him being there. I feel that I mean, he, that has just he, completely blown my mind. <laughs> sorry, sorry, it happens sometimes. Uh, but I, I believe my head in my hands. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. I personally believe that he did survive because my the way that I look at it, and I should have said this earlier, but tough. I've done it now, so everybody have to wait. Um, but I, uh, but I believe that we're, we're looking at uh, Jean Jacket. Uh, on an animalistic approach so and that's what the film really does you know you've got a lot of uh you know similarities that they're making between the horse uh, the horses and stuff and the way that they're trained and way that they can be trained or can't be trained and creating this spectacle but yet something spooks them you know what i mean and i believe that it, they're taking that approach with jean jacket that you can't just rule out that Jean Jacket also doesn't feel threatened. And there's the scene that OJ is trying to distract uh, Jean Jacket in its proper, you know, full on form, you know, rather than it being a spaceship now. And it's trying to distract it from Kiki Palmer so she can get away. And then obviously 
quite suddenly it ends up, you know, going the other way and stuff, and you don't actually see OJ die. I actually believe that Jean Jacket is threatened by OJ because obviously anything really that's happened within the movie, it's because OJ is essentially outsmarted or understands Jean Jacket more than what he thinks. So he's actually the one that's inflicted the most harm on Jean Jacket. So sometimes, you know, animalistically, if they're threatened by someone that they think that could be a threat to them, then I think that that's actually worked in OJ's favour and he didn't actually, you know, get killed by the alien, which obviously what a lot of people believe. I think that he got away because Jean Jacket was, was actually scared of him from the events that took place in the film all because of OJ. You know, he thinks he outsmarted him, which he did obviously on a few occasions. And then he comes riding in on a horseback at the end. But like I say, a lot of people think he's dead. I mean, yeah, that is it's definitely an interesting interpretation. Never literally thought of that at all. But no, I can kind well, of see where people are coming from. Yeah, well, now you will. Now you'll watch it again. You were like, you're looking at yeah. me like, oh, is he dead? Is he not? But I think that you know, Jordan Peele, as we know, he even though there's always an underlining sinister side or a darkness to the stories that he tells as we know the endings have always ended up sort of being what you want them to be with us and and get out and i feel that that's still the aspect the same way with nope uh you know i think that oj is alive and he survived and uh and kiki palmer did it and then hopefully they're you know on their ranch rich because, uh, you know, they've seen aliens and they get to save the ranch and do whatever they do with their life. And that would be nice. He's got a pretty good track record of having happy endings. Well, yeah. Happy-ish endings. Happy-ish. Happy-ish endings, right. yeah. And hopefully as happy he keeps as you it can like be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In these types of films that are, you know, sometimes absolutely mental. But, yeah, so that's... That's it, really. You know, that's that's it. I know this episode has been a little bit different in regards to structure. But like I said at the start, there was no way that we could have gone through scene by scene of everything that happens in this movie. And then obviously at the end, talked about how we feel about it. I hope that we've got that across to you. You know, we wanted to do this this special because we've had many conversations about Jordan Peele because we both genuinely believe that all of his films, he's made three movies so far, and all three of them have been phenomenal movies. They aren't, yet this movie's okay. You can't, I don't take anything away from any one of them. When I'm ranking them, and I'm sure, you know, when you're ranking them as well, we're not thinking of what do we think is the worst one out of them in regards to it being a bad thing. It's actually very difficult to choose what films you think are the best out of them because they're all so good. Yeah, it is literally just a case of which one you would prefer to watch more if you had the yeah. choice. All the films in general, they're amazing. So to anybody out there that hasn't experienced a Jordan Peele film yet, you need to start with whichever one you want and work through them. And if you have, go and rewatch them because they're incredible. And go and enjoy them. And maybe your ranking will change. Let us know. You know, we want to know. Let us know. Pop on Instagram or Twitter and let us know what your your rankings are and if um, they've changed over time as well and what you think about these movies. But 
that's it. That's the that's the episode. We've gone through it all. We've gone through all these movies. As you can tell, yeah, we we love Jordan Peele and we think he's absolutely fantastic. And we can't wait to see what he does next. What do you hope? What do you hope that Jordan Peele does next? Well, I don't know if you've seen. I've seen on Twitter that allegedly his next film is supposedly coming out at Christmas next year, so 2024. And it's coming out allegedly. This, like, as I say, it could all be complete shit. Um, <laughs> is supposedly coming out on Christmas Day, which I'm thinking is going to be very heavily about religion. So we've got either so far, we've got either Chris, uh, you know, we've either got Jordan Peele making a full blown Christmas Home Alone movie, or like you say. Which would be great. Which would be great. Or it's Jordan Peele making, like you say, a uh, religious movie, which obviously there is, you know, aspects of that within. You can see those sort of uh, aspects within the movies that he's made already as well. It wouldn't surprise me if you're if you're not right that there is that. But I mean, it's exciting, isn't it? I think I mean, the last thing I'm going to say about Jordan Peele is there was a time, right, when we had like Steven Spielberg and John Carpenter and stuff, and they were making these movies, and these movies were, you know, phenomenal movie after phenomenal movie. They're amazing, they're iconic, they're classics. But every time they brought out movies like directors like this, or even actors or actresses, you get excited. There's an occasion for these. Going to the cinema and seeing a film by Spielberg or, you know, Carpenter was you know, a monumentous thing. It feels like you sort of get that less and less now. Feels like there's less movie stars or less big time directors. So when you get someone like Jordan Peele, or like, for example, and I won't go into it much, but someone like Ty West, for example, who I absolutely ruddy bloody love, you're now starting to get that sense of excitement and occasion for when they release stuff. And I absolutely love that. I don't know about you, but for me, it's now getting exciting when you're like, we're going to find out that there's going to be another Jordan Peele movie. And, you know, you start asking those questions like you were saying, you know, it's coming out of Christmas time and it's 2024. What's it going to be about? And you get excited about that. Same as Ty West. You know, we know what films we've got coming from him. But after the after, you know, Maxine comes out, well, what comes from from next? Because. Ty West, for example, the word that I would describe him as is unpredictable. You don't know what to expect from a Ty West movie. But with Jordan Peele, what you get is something that you don't get very often within cinema. And that is pure originality. I get so excited about that, that we get that. Not only do we get that in cinema and for us to be able to go to to the cinema or at home and experience a original concept but the fact that we get that within the horror genre is what makes it even more exciting yeah i mean this is coming from the girl who would watch any form of scream movie ever they could just do the first one again and i'd watch it a hundred million times it is so nice to have just fresh ideas that have never been done before. Well, they've been done before, but they've been done in such a different way. So fresh. Yeah, like Nope, for example. Yeah, we've had movies about alien invasions and alien attacks and UFOs before, but have we had one like this? Not really. 
so it's so interesting the takes that or the the you know the roots and the stories that he is you know letting us have because that's it is it's like an experience but you know i'm grateful I, i'm every time i watch a jordan pill film i'm grateful that i got to watch something can feel like i'm watching like something that you just said new and fresh uh it's exciting it's exciting when he uh, you know brings out a film and i hope everybody else feels the same way when we get a director like him so that's that that is everything now about jordan pill he's a legend so go and watch everything he does but now i want you to to talk about everything you're doing horror hysteria you do lots of top-notch reviews you're on instagram you're best mates with david arquette uh what what, okay. what you got going on <laughs> more of the same really i just watch a film write something hopefully funny about it and then just slide into actors dms and ask them if they want to do an interview <laughs> with me and that's basically it well you know what better way to bloody do it eh? that was how i uh how i scored the david arquette one <laughs> for those that don't know you know you successfully slided into david arquette's dms and got an interview with him and now we're best so, and now you're best <laughs> friends so and that's a fact um so yeah so make sure uh if you want to go and read some reviews then head over to horror hysteria on instagram you'll find it it's easy enough and uh you know just have some fun with it and don't slide into her dms because it won't work like that way unless you're She's an actor not... and you want to be interviewed then yeah yeah exactly then yeah go then you it. can um but, but but do go and check out all the content she does uh but yeah We've, we've, you know, it's been an episode. We, we said we were going to do it. We've done it. And, uh, you know, thank you for coming on. I've enjoyed it. I hope you have. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. We finally did it. We've spoken about Jordan Peele. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a legend. Everybody, go and watch his films. And, uh, you know, thank, thank you again for, for coming on the show. So we've done it. We've made it through to the end of another episode. And I really, truly hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, this episode has been a little bit different. It hasn't had your usual run through the movie scene by scene and it hasn't had production info, but it has had some facts. But it has had a general conversation between me and Horror Hysteria talking about a director that we really, really enjoy watching his movies. These movies, all of them, like we said multiple times within this, are all fantastic, or at least we think that they are all fantastic and very, very difficult to choose which ones are our best out of them. Trying to rank these films for me was very difficult, and I honestly didn't know if it was going to change, but obviously it didn't in the end. But I really, really had to think about it. And who knows what happens upon my next rewatch of these movies. But I hoped, as you say, you enjoyed this episode, this journey with me and Horror Hysteria talking about this absolute already a legend. And I can't wait to see what he does next. It's exciting. Like I said, it's an occasion. It's exciting to see where Jordan Peele goes next with his next movie. But it's sure to be exciting it's sure to be unique, it's sure to be original, and it's sure to be thought-provoking. It's sure to have an underlining message that you might see or you might not, but it's guaranteed to be there, right? And if you enjoy Jordan Peele movies and enjoyed this episode, as usual, please let us know. 
And as usual, please share it on. I know this has been another episode, but it's a special. Sometimes the specials have to be a little bit longer because they're specials. And we've spoken a lot. We've We've had three people, three movies to speak about. So, yeah, it's been a little bit longer, but I hope you stuck with it. I hope you enjoyed it. Please, please, as usual, support this show. Help me keep this journey through horror going by sharing the show on, by supporting the show, by rating and reviewing it, by going to follow and support Horror Hysteria and everything she does over on her page and her channel and everything she does and all of her horror-related content. Support it all. Join us and be a creep.